bringing you the stories behind the standards. This is the BSI Education Podcast with Matthew Childs and Alan Sellers. Today's episode is on the IEC's Young Professionals Program. Hello, my name is Matthew Childs and I'm with Alan Sellers. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And how are you, Matthew? I'm very well, thank you. We have made it to 2021. We have indeed, haven't we? Feels a lot like 2020 still. <laughs> yeah, the sequel is not uh, is not uh, living up to much at the moment, is it? But how about New Year's resolutions? Are you a New Year's resolutions fan? No, I, I don't tend to get around to setting them, to be honest. How about you? Yeah, I, not really. I... Uh, my year resolutions tend to be around health and fitness and I think springtime tends to be a better place to do that than in the depths of winter but the sun is shining today so yeah, that's th- one thing I think you're right I do I do remember one year signing up for a 10k and a half marathon at this time of year because it was buy one get one free <laughs> well look the new year brings new opportunities for the podcast and uh, we've got fantastic uh, episodes lined up for 2021 already and some new features. So we thought, um, as well as bringing you fantastic episodes around the world of, of standards, we would also bring you a new feature uh, every episode, which is a little news feature. We thought we'd bring you standards, information about standards that are in the news or standards making the news, and also to bring information about standards that are currently out for public consultation. So we're always looking for people to get involved in standards making. So without further ado, Alan, can we have your news roundup, please? Yeah, come over here to the standards desk of news. First up, we have the news that BSI's pandemic safe working guidelines have been published as an international standard. So Matthew, you'll remember back in episode I'm sure that we talked to Sally Swingewood and Martin Cotton about how these guidelines were developed. Do you remember that? I do indeed. I yeah. do indeed. Yeah. And uh, I think it was, I think there were, that was uh, draft two of the, of the guidance. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic to, to hear that the, the plans were then, Sally and Martin were talking about how they were planning to make it a full international standard. So that's fantastic that that, that has finally happened. Yeah, well, at least we can now say that we knew them before they became internationally renowned. You know, uh, glad they got over the tricky second album, I guess, and now now they're international stars. And you know, it we really... could almost call it an exclusive. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Exclusive news. I'll have to make a note of that for the next uh, news roundup. Anyway, it really is a big achievement to have an international standard published in three months, particularly when it's usually three years to get something done at this level. So big congratulations from us on the podcast to everyone involved there. So next we have the news that's really important if you sample, test, inspect or certify anything because you'll want to know about the revisions that have been made to the international standard, BS, EN, ISO, IEC 17000. That's it. It's the terms and definitions used in conformity assessment. Now, in contrast to three months, this is the first update to this standard in 16 years. That's right, Matthew, 16 years. That's that's a lot of time to... And they to stay the same. 
They say that they say the wheels of the standards world turn slowly. And uh, there you go, sixteen years. Wow. I, you know, I, I just wonder how much has changed in sixteen years in conformity assessment. I mean, are there really that much that has changed? I mean, you'd expect quite a heavy revision to that standard, there, wouldn't you? But you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to dare go and read it if, if it's just a few kind of tweaks here and there. But there we go. I'll, I'll maybe put that on my reading list. And you know, in in I think I think it's fair to say, Matthew, like you were saying, we we are planning some episodes here and there along the way, and we will cover conformity assessment at some point. So please do listen out for that. And finally, if like me, you're plagued with the habit of checking approval marks on electrical products, you'll be ecstatic to hear the news that there's a new kid on the block. It's the UKCA mark. Now, truth be told. Matthew, I spotted this mark last year at Christmas. Now, I think it it kind of shows the depth to which I have been sucked into the world of standards because I saw it on a Christmas stocking filler that that was for one of my children. And you know what? It was the best Christmas present ever, seeing that that UKCA mark on that wrapping. I can't even remember what the toy was. That's quite... Quite shocking, really, isn't it, Matthew? It is a little bit. So, yeah, so you can't remember the toy, but you're just looking out for logos unwrapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> and and I, I, maybe I shouldn't dob these people in, but there are one or two people out there that, that have sent me images of this UK CA mark over the last, uh, you know, the last few months. So, you know, maybe we should have like a finder's fee or i don't know not a finder's fee maybe we should have some sort of prize for for our listeners out there for for finding these ukca marks you know maybe you could have your inbox at bsi education filled up with ukca marks or or maybe if you're feeling a bit annoyed with me you could give out my email address but you know <laughs> I'll, I'll move on <laughs> well what is the ukca mark i hear you're asking well, it's the UK conformity assessment mark. So the UK is now has its own certification mark that is replacing most products that were previously CE marked. Now, the CE mark, you know, if you might not know what it is, you might do. It, it's that funny looking C and an E, and it's part of the European conformity assessment system, part of the single market. And a little thing called Brexit has happened, and so we're no longer using it. So look out for the UK CA mark. You made an important point there, Alan, about conformity assessment. It's something that's come up, hasn't it, in a number of different episodes. So we are, as Alan says, we are going to deal with that separately. And obviously the UK uh, CA mark is an important part of that story. So that is something we, we want to cover in a bit more depth. And Alan, you mentioned there about getting in touch with the podcast. And I just want to give people a reminder about uh, an upcoming uh, episode that we want to do called the press conference episode. So if you've ever wondered about how standards are made or who gets to make them or why standards are numbered in the way that they are and who gets to choose those numbers, or maybe there's something more specific about standards that's related to your job or the sector in which you work, well, this is your chance to to ask us, to ask Alan and myself. 
uh, and we'll ask a, a panel of experts to answer your questions. So please record your questions via audio message and email them into education at bsigroup.com. As I say, we'll put the best ones to a panel of experts in a future episode uh, of the BSI Education Podcast. Now, the aim of this podcast is to bring you the stories behind the standards. Today's story is about developing the next generation of standards makers, and more specifically, about the IC's Young Professionals Programme. Now, every year, BSI and its partners offer young engineers the chance to take part in this Young Professionals Programme. The programme brings together the world's upcoming expert engineers, technicians and managers, and provides them with opportunities to shape the future of international standardisation and conformity assessment in the field of electro-technology. The next generation of standards makers has been one of our ongoing themes. Now, we covered this back in our very first episode when we spoke to Kat Rosier and Navdeep Mihay about how standards had an impact on their careers. We also covered it back in episode three when we looked at stakeholder engagement in standards generally. But before we go any further with this particular story, here's a quick guide to the IEC. The International Electrotechnical Commission, or the IEC, is the global organization that prepares and publishes international standards for all electrical, electronic and related technologies. These include consumer devices, such as mobile phones and refrigerators, office and medical equipment, information technology, electricity generation and much more. The IEC's role is to help ensure the safety and efficiency of devices, systems or services for people and the environment, to enhance international trade, facilitate broad electricity access and enable a more sustainable world. Founded in June 1906 in London, the IEC brings together more than 170 countries and provides a global, neutral and independent standardization platform to over 20,000 experts. Its members, including BSI, appoint experts to participate in IEC standardization. The IEC also administers four conformity assessment systems, which certify that devices, systems, installations, services, and people work as required. The IEC has published over 10,000 standards, which together with conformity assessment, provides the technical framework that allows governments to build national quality infrastructure and companies of all sizes to buy and sell consistently safe and reliable products in most countries of the world. So Alan, the, the IC Young Professionals Programme, you've been on this, right? I have, yes. Um, it's, it's certainly been one of those experiences that has shaped my career since, I have to say. Uh, it, it's exciting for me to be doing this podcast and, and hearing all the experiences and interviews and, and insights that, that we have here. Um, and yeah, certainly for me, I was on the outside of standardization looking in and it was a bit of a very odd world, I have to say, seeing standards pop up that affected the company that I worked for at the time. And then becoming involved in a way to develop standards so that they better suited the industry that I worked in at the time. But I have to say, uh, being a part of the IEC Young Professional Program really got me into the middle of the IEC, into the processes, understanding what's going on. And I think this will probably come through 
in in the things that other people say it's it's the networking opportunities that you get i've met people from many different countries in lots of different sectors doing lots of different things and i'm still in touch with with lots of them and they're invaluable in in what i do i have to say um and for me personally it was a great cultural experience i really feel that when i'm challenged by the way other people do things and approach things, it causes me to think myself about how I do things. And from that, I've grown a lot. You know, I think I first went uh, a while back now, probably four or five years ago. And now as I've uh, developed in my career and I am where I am today, leading a team of, of engineers in this area, it's I begin to see the benefits of that as an employer as well. I think that's really important you mentioned that. I was about to say, um, obviously, you've had a fantastic personal experience in terms of your own professional development, but there's an employer perspective to this too. And I suppose later on, we'll just turn the tables on you a bit, Alan, and uh, you can go from co-host to interviewee and tell us about uh, the programme from an employer perspective. This is me interrupting myself to remind you that for more information on BSI education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others on the themes raised in this episode can be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag BSI EdPod. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode or ideas for future episodes, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We really welcome your feedback. Now, we wanted to cover this story from all angles and speak to a wide range of people about the programme itself. Those who are going on the programme, those who have already been on it. We also wanted to get that employer perspective. Plus BSI2, we've supported the programme since its inception. And we also wanted to get the perspective of one of our partner organisations. Now, make sure you listen right to the end of the podcast. More information about how you too can take part in this year's IC programme. But we begin with the IC's perspective. We spoke to Aristia Kiriakati, Head of Affiliate Countries and Membership Programmes at the IEC. We started by asking her to tell us a bit more about what the programme is all about. Uh, right. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Um, so uh, each year, the IC Young Professionals program uh, seeks new participants, uh, engineers, managers, technicians uh, involved in the fields of uh, electricity and electronics to join the uh, quite famous now IC Young Professionals program. Uh, there are some eligibility requirements there. Uh, we're looking for participants aged between um, early 20s to mid 30s. Uh, they should have some experience in the standard development uh, or the use of standards in, uh, in, in the context of uh, conformity assessment. And they should be working for a business, an industry, an association or government body that is using uh, or contributing uh, to the work of uh, the IEC. Um, the, the, the participants are hanged uh, handpicked by the IC national committees uh, to represent their country in the in the program and uh, basically they get the opportunity to participate um, to the annual young professionals workshop 
that the IC organizes alongside the IC general meeting. Uh, this takes place sometime in um, September, October uh, each year. Um, the young professionals have the opportunity to see the IC uh, in action uh, to meet technical experts from all around the world in order to uh, better understand why participation uh, at the global level is uh, an essential strategic tool. Um, then after the workshop, uh, young professionals are encouraged to continue their involvement in standardization and conformity assessment um, at the international and national level. And they're also invited to um, attend um, dedicated uh, activities for young professionals and also to provide input on uh, how the IC can attract the next uh, generation of experts. And in terms then of, of what's involved in a sort of a typical uh, workshop week, uh, what, what, would, what would be the experience of a young professional? What sorts of things would they be getting involved with? Right. Uh, so it's a very interactive uh, format, um, a three-day workshop, at least until now. Uh, we are hoping to increase the duration to five days from now on. Uh, but during these three days, um, they get uh, an overview of the IC work. Uh, they get the opportunity to attend uh, the uh, conformity assessment board meeting or the um, uh, standardization management board meetings. Uh, they can take part in uh, meetings of technical committees. And then we have a series of interactive session and breakout sessions where they really uh, can suggest ideas. They can take part and contribute uh, with their own suggestions. Uh, there's a series of social events also. That's the uh, fun part, I guess, of the workshop where they get together um, uh, not only as a group, but also meeting other officials. Uh, and on the third day, uh, they also have the opportunity to take part in a site visit, which is usually hosted by the um, by the host committee. And in terms of benefits then, I mean, you mentioned there about, uh, about uh, the social events, I suppose, just building on that, what are the benefits of for young professionals of, of taking part in this in, in this international program? So um, I, I I firmly believe that the young professional program offers an important networking platform to the young professionals, and it's a unique opportunity for them to help shape um, international standardization and conformity assessment work. Um, we, we see this more and more, and it's a feedback we get from the young professionals that they want more opportunities for networking. So I guess that the YP program offers uh, this opportunity for them and uh, hoping that we'll be able to expand this uh, throughout the year and not only at the workshop where they meet once a year. So it sounds like the program is, is quite integrated with the work that goes on with the IEC when when they come together is is it is it like that or is it more like a side event um i would say it's quite integrated um because uh, the young professionals do uh, select technical committees that they would like to um to attend uh it's part of the IEC general meeting so um that's why uh 
you can't have a workshop without an IC general meeting. That was uh, the idea from the beginning, and it will be um, it will continue being like that. So um, not only from the young professional side, but also from 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 the senior expert side, uh, we get a lot of interest uh, every year uh, from experts who want to organize a workshop or organize an interactive session during the workshop in order to get more ideas from the young professionals. We've uh, we've spoken on the podcast episodes before, Aristia, about the importance of it, of investing in the next generation uh, of standards makers. It's something we do at the BSI Education. It's 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 the sort of core purpose of what we do here. But I want to hear it from an ice from an international perspective, an IC perspective. You know, why do you think? It's important that national standards bodies and national committees invest in young professional activities at national level. I think, and what we've seen so far uh, by by organizing, coordinating the young professionals program is that, well, national committees by investing in YP activities, they they make a long term invest um, investment in their future. Uh, focusing on finding the talent and expertise in both standardization and conformity assessment. Basically, it's the opportunity for them to uh, have the right people around the table. So um, succession is an important aspect of the young professional activities, whether they are organized in the international level or the national level. So I think that's a very important uh, aspect of it. In terms of the program itself, then, how, how long has it been running? The IC Young Professionals program was launched uh, back in 2010, uh, so um, 11 years ago. And the first workshop uh, took place in Seattle uh, during the IC general meeting at the time um, and has welcomed more than 600 participants. So quite a big and diverse community there. So in terms of obviously that incredibly successful in, in generating, creating that that community, I suppose looking back over the, the past 10 years, what sort of, what broader impact do you think the program has had or is continuing to have? Um, so basically the, the participants, the young professionals uh, have been the best promoters of the, the program. And I think the impact that the program has had is through them and through their achievements. So um, what I would like to highlight there is that, um, and what we've seen so far from the data we've got collected is that uh, more than 30% uh, of uh, those 600 uh, YPs of IC uh, now hold positions within IC uh, as members, conveners, project leaders uh, within technical committees. They also participate in other IC focus groups, um, such as ad hoc groups, uh, management advisory boards or task forces. Um, and uh, more than 60% of this 30% involved hold more than one position. Uh, so we see them being active, in being engaged and continue uh, contributing with their ideas. Um, we even have young professionals who are now NC presidents or secretaries, so they make an impact in their own countries. Um, and I'm sure there are many more involved um, in the national level and in conformity assessment activities. Unfortunately, we don't have this data available yet. So um, there are so many stories I, I, could, I could highlight um, from the young professionals. So it sounds like these young professionals become much more involved in the work that the IEC does, both at 
an international level and then back home with their national committees working on various different standardization projects or maybe going back to testing things and I'm I'm really interested in the the difference that you think this engagement makes um what what is it that's that's so good or so important about this if you had to give it in in a couple of sentences what would you say um we have seen that wherever there is a young professional involved in an activity that a young professional is involved there is a change um, there is a change in the way of thinking in the way of working uh, in the ideas they are they are bringing in and the um, expertise they are having uh, we talk about young professionals but they already having a lot of experience and expertise from uh, in their professional lives so they're very um, enthusiastic to contribute this to to um, technical work um, they've been involved in several projects that I can mention that had have made a difference and some of them are still are where were um, the base of um, new projects that came in or new ideas so mm. there I could I could mention uh, for example uh, there have been several um, attempts to raise awareness of standardization in, in academia but mm. at the same time uh, a young professional developed um, um, a mock technical committee uh, one standard in one day to experience the whole development process of uh, of a standard in a practical manner, and this has now uh, been part of of trainings that IC is organizing. Um, and uh, we we know very well that young professionals, uh, as I said earlier, have been ambassadors uh, of uh, young professional activities, and many of them have then went back to their countries that developed national YP programs, which is very, very important. So it sounds like these young professionals are selected for some sort of aspect that they're using standards, they have knowledge of standards, they might be using them to test things, and they want to know more about where, where these standards are coming from. And the IEC offers this uh, young professionals program, which over the last 10 years seems to have gone from strength to strength. And then they they attend this program, get right into the heart of the IEC and and work out and and understand what's going on there. And then they come back to their national committees, back to their own countries, back to their employers. And that newfound knowledge and experience must be incredibly valuable for for both the employer and and the national committee. It sounds like a, a fantastic program. Thank you, Alan. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think everybody benefits <laughs> from it. Uh, the young professional, the national committees who, who select them, but also their employers, they are able to um, bring back all of the experience and the networking they've done back to their professional uh, networks. Arista, you mentioned something there about speedy standards a moment ago and about having uh, having to uh, do a, a develop a standard in a day, which I think is a fascinating a fascinating idea. Obviously, something happened last year and it's continued to happen really that that affected everybody, um, and obviously, obviously COVID nineteen. Um, I just wonder what changes did you have to make to last year's program because of COVID nineteen. 
Um, yes, we also um, the, the the YP program was impacted by by the pandemic. Um, originally, the the general meeting was scheduled to take place in Stockholm, in Sweden, um, and then we were working on a five day workshop at the time. Then the the general meeting moved to Geneva, um, and it would host only management meetings. So, uh, as a result, we had to reduce the duration to of the workshop to three days, as no technical meetings would take place. Well, in the end, uh, the general meeting was held online, uh, and at the time, around September October uh, last year, we had to take the difficult decision to cancel the workshop in 2020. Um, the reason being that um, after a consultation with several groups and young professionals, uh, we felt that an online workshop would not be uh, conducive to the core benefits of, of the workshop, which, as, as I mentioned several times, includes networking opportunities and experiencing IC in action. Um, so that was the major change uh, due to the pandemic. Um, however, during these difficult times, it became uh, even more important um, to us um, to continue engaging with the young professional community um, and especially the young professionals that were nominated to uh, participate to the 2020 program. Um, therefore, we started organizing online activities. Uh, we, we had the first webinar uh, taking place uh, in December. Uh, on the regulatory models around the world. Um, that was uh, a young professional-led activity from the YP leaders. Um, and there is more to come on a monthly basis. Um, we also uh, tried to provide more opportunities for young professionals to participate in the IC work. So we, had, uh, we launched some call for application to um, join, uh, for example, the task force on the sustainable development goals, uh, uh, the ad hoc group on the review of the standards development process, and the ad hoc group on the COVID uh, consequences. So we now have young professionals participating in these three groups and hoping that we will have more opportunities for them uh, in the months to come. It sounds to me like you you had to do like a lot of organizations were having to do was to, to adapt to the to the uh to the, the conditions presented by the pandemic, but it sounds to me as if you've then created other opportunities for, for those young professionals to become involved. I just wonder with, you know, looking ahead then to, to this year's uh, programme, obviously with a sort of a COVID caveat, can you tell us a bit, a bit about this year's programme and maybe if it's evolved from previous years, if, if you're planning for it to be any different to what you've done in previous years? Um, yes, of course. So again, uh we are working on a five-day workshop for 2021, uh, which uh, should take place during the general meeting in Dubai in October. So there, uh, the idea is to have more opportunities for networking, introducing more breakout sessions, uh, leading to the site visit at the end of the workshop. Um, so uh, there will be a formal announcement coming up over the next uh, few weeks. And then obviously um, from the feedback that we got from the young professionals, which is uh, quite positive, uh, we would like to continue with the online activities to um, keep the engagement throughout the year. 
um and um as a as a as a third dimension i would also mention the projects uh that the young professional leaders uh have uh, agreed to carry on over to this year uh that are are very very um influential and there we give the opportunity to more young professionals to be part of the project team and and contribute so in terms of um long-term plans then do you have any any long long-term plans for how the how the program will change um that gives me a very good um uh, stepping stone to to uh, mention a little bit about the project that uh, two of the i see young professional leaders are working on um uh, there is uh, a pilot program to promote cultural diversity within the ICYP program, uh, helping the newest IC members to structure their own activities for young professionals. Um, so the idea, a long-term goal of the program would be to uh, collect all the best practices uh, to, to structure a national YP activities and uh, share it uh, within the national committees so they also understand the value of um, um, having national activities for their young professionals. Um, we, we hope to continue to grow uh, and to raise awareness about the program in the IC level and national committees, of course. And uh, again, the program is inspired from the young professional. So uh, what has worked very well until now is that um, it's a program from young professionals to young professionals. So I would like to keep, to keep this inspiration going on. Now, Aristia, we ask all of our guests to tell us about their standards journeys and you're not going to get away with it. So we need oh, to know yours so too. So. <laughs> we did. Now, now we're really keen to know what's what's your standards journey. How did you get to this point? Were you have you been seduced by standards? Yes, I think right now I have. But uh, to be honest, um, I I had no idea what the IC was about. Um, I used to work for um, United Nations agencies in Geneva, and I would pass by the IC central office building every day. Uh, as it was across the street. Um, so I did not know about IC standardization or conformity assessment. Uh, I have no technical background myself. I'm a boring lawyer by education. I hope I do not sound like one uh, still. Um, so uh, my I ended up um, working for IC. I'm passionate about bringing communities together. Um, and I've worked with different communities in the past, uh, high-level officials, trade experts, medical doctors. And I thought that this community would be a lot different to what I had in mind. But um, after uh, engaging with uh, experts uh, on standardization for the nine, 10 months, um, I, I see that there are more similarities than differences and um, um, supporting the young professionals on one hand uh, and developing countries on the other um, is the ideal setting for me to, to be innovative and, and help streamline all the ideas and suggestions I get. We should probably say a big shout out to all our lawyer listeners out there. <laughs> as well. but, uh, 
Well, I'm, I'm really interested in this in this journey because you you pass by the the office of the IEC every day in your previous job, and yet you had no idea about the IEC. I think that's fantastic. And with with no technical background, which often people think you need to to work within standards, here you are. Um, bringing communities together that that develop things for the IEC, I think that's absolutely amazing. That's great. Yeah, I think it's rediscovering about you know standards bring all it's all all sorts of people together, and I think that's uh, I think that's a really nice really nice message. Uh, Aristo, we're about to launch uh, here at BSI. We're about to launch the the um, sort of competition for for this year to, to participate in this year's program. I just wonder, as a final thought from you, what would you say? to any engineer, young engineer, thinking about taking part of this program, what would be the, the one thing you'd say to them? I would uh, recommend uh, everyone to join the IC YP program um, or any national young professional program in their country. I think it's a fascinating opportunity for them to um, experience uh, standardization work in action, uh, meet people from all around the world and have their voice heard. Uh, I think this is the most important thing. And uh, if I'm sure they have great ideas that everybody can benefit from. So um, do not miss your chance. Apply. Now let's hear some from some of the young professionals themselves. Now, we spoke to Navdeep Mihai, he took part in 2017 when the program uh, took place in Vladivostok. Now, Navdeep is Machine Control and Protection Group Leader at the UK Atomic Energy Authority. We also spoke to Shahid Khan, Sean Neesom and Fiona Robertson. Now, Shahid is Technical Manager at the Electrical Contractors Association. Sean, he's Group Quality Manager at Maybourne Group Limited. And Fiona is a Test Engineer at LaserMet. As we'll hear... These three young professionals should have attended the programme in Stockholm in 2020, but COVID. So Fiona, if I could start with you, uh, you're a test engineer at LaserMet. Can you tell us a bit more about your role there and what on what LaserMet does? So my day-to-day job is classifying a huge variety of lasers to the safety standard 6085 part one. So we test everything from handheld laser pointers to medical lasers to complete welding laser systems. We also classify LEDs to the LED safety standard. And I also train laser users in how to use lasers safely. LaserMet's um, actions, apart from my role, is manufacturing laser safety products such as laser protective screens, goggles, interlock systems, things like that. Now, Sean, uh, Fiona there is deals with lasers. So that sounds pretty cool to me. So your group, quality, your group quality manager at Mayborn Group Limited. Tell us a bit about May, sorry, Mayborn and what you do as a group quality manager. Yeah, so Mayborn Group is a juvenile products company. Most most people know Mayborn as the brand, which is Tommy Tippy. So we do a, quite a wide array of products or to the simpler products such as baby bottles and soothers to the slightly more complicated in the electrical field, you know, so electric sterilizers, uh, night lights, breast pumps. Uh, and then obviously we do, you know, we do uh, a handful of toys as well, both electrical and non-electrical toys. So my role in the context of standards is really, it's 
very much day to day. So, you know, we manufacture our own products, we source products as well, and we need to make sure that all of those products comply with, you know, various standards and various uh, regulations around the world. So, you know, covering IEC standards, but, you know, EN standards as well. So, you know, for the toy standards, so EN62115, um, you know, that's kind of a big part of what it is that uh, the standards that we have to, to comply with. Um, you know, we've also got audio-visual equipment, uh, quite a lot of products that come under that, as, as well as, you know, what I mentioned before, luminaires uh, for night lights and things like that. Now, uh, you mentioned there, Tommy Tippy, that's played a big part in my life over the last 10 years. I think I've still got four or five Tommy Tippies in the cupboard. Can't bring myself to, uh, to, to, to throw them away. My kids are... 10 and, uh, and 7 and we still got them in the cupboard so thank you very much for the uh, for the Tommy Tommy <laughs> well I don't, I don't think I can take specific credit for those ones but uh, in the absence of anyone else I will <laughs> now Shahid you're your technical manager at the Electrical Contractors Association tell us a bit yeah. about uh, about the ECA and about your role there Okay, so um, just as a brief in, um, overview of the ECA, um, they are the largest um, trade association for electrical contractors in the UK um, and have, was, was founded um, over 100 years ago, so we're, we're well established. Um, as the technical manager there, one of my uh, major roles is to make sure uh, that our members are kept up to date in terms of changes with standards. Um, uh, sorry, changes in industry. Uh, this very much revolves around um, new and updating standards and exploring opportunities uh, that may exist for members in terms of adopting new technologies or um, such as heat pumps or new ways of working, um, i.e. BIM. Um, being involved with standards and best practice is therefore uh, necessary in, in, terms of, in terms of my job role. Um, it also means that uh, there's a voice uh, for our members that can be expressed within standards and standards committees. Um, and that's important because it's our guys that use the standards uh, on a practical basis day to day. Now, you all applied for the IC Young Professionals Programme back in 2020. I was recording this early, early in 2021. Um, I'm just keen to explore the, your sort of professional motivations for wanting to take part in the programme. Maybe if I come back to you, Fiona, what were your, why did you think this looks like an important programme for me? What were your motivations for wanting to take part? I really wanted a better understanding of where, for example, the class limits in the standards that I'm using, they come from. How do they decide on what? powers of lasers are safe or not safe and really getting into some of the physics and the biology behind that if I could. I was also fascinated by the process by which standards are compiled, how they're put together, where all the contributions are coming from, who they approach to write them, that sort of thing. And I've often found in the past that our clients they struggle to interpret the standards that we're using as part of the reason they come to us in the first place. And I think a lot of people don't find standards very accessible. So what I would like to do with my time on the programme, if I can, is put together or start some sort of interface where standard users who have questions about how to correctly apply a standard, if they have any doubt, 
there's access to an expert so they can turn to and get their questions answered so they know that they're applying the the standards correctly and safely. Was there a history, uh, Fiona, there? you talked about your, your company there. Was there a, is there a history of the company of being involved in standardisation? Are, are, are colleagues involved at all? Uh, yes, the company's founder, Brian Tozer, he um, sadly died a few years ago. He was on the committee for writing 6025 Part 1, which is the standard I use most often. And Sean, back to, back to you. What were your motivations taking part? Are they similar to, to uh, Fiona's there? Yeah, they were, they were pretty pretty similar to Fiona's. I mean, uh, there's, there's a couple for me, but I think the first one for me, and probably the most important, which will probably be a common theme in all my answers throughout here, is it was really about meeting people. That, for me, is kind of one of the most important reasons. So, you know, the organization that I work in, you know, we're relatively, you know, we're not a tiny organization, but the compliance department, you know, there's like five or six people in there. So, there's people you can have conversations with, but it's not the biggest of networks, you know. So by being part of this program, the hope is that, you know, I've, I've, I've widened my network for compliance and regulatory questions, you know, to have more people to have those discussions with because, you know, it, it's sometimes quite a, a niche topic to talk with. You know, you don't often encounter people day to day who work in the compliance field. So the more people that I know to have those conversations with, the better. But Going beyond that, you know, the, the reasons that Fiona mentioned, you know, in regards to understanding the rationale, um, interpretations of why things are the way they are, you know, they, they come up countless times in my organization. And I, and I think it helps infinitely if instead of just telling the design team, you need to make this X because I'm telling you to, as opposed to saying it needs to be X because, you know, ABC really helps with those discussions because sometimes you know compliance and regulatory departments just seen sometimes can be seen as a bit of a hindrance but if you can provide that justification and reasoning as to why somebody has to do something that that helps and sometimes when you just look at a standard you know in isolation you know without being part of that standard writing process you, you you've absolutely you sometimes look at things and you think why on earth is that requirement that requirement mm-hmm. so that, those, those i would say are my kind of two key reasons the meeting of people and further understanding of you know rationale and why things are the way they are within standards now shaheed um fiona and sean are obviously coming at this from a, a private organization perspective yeah is it any different for for yourself coming from a, an association what, what were your motivations in in terms of the reasons they're they're they're, they're an exact um a copy of them um my, my motivations were exactly the same it's meeting people and understanding why things are as such um one of the major standards that i work with is uh, is uh, the bsm671 iet wiring regs um under jpl 64 uh, which is the committee that's responsible for um maintaining that standard um and it's just understanding some of the legacy issues in there uh just understanding why you know, certain values were six mil in certain cases, or ten mil. You know, you know, based on based on just just legacy issues, uh, and, and you know, and, and how the network has how it was and where it is now in, in terms of its its load analysis and 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 and, and, and issues like that. Um, so so yeah, meet, meeting people and um, 
just understanding why things are such were, were my main two reasons as well, mm. to be honest. You mentioned there, Shahid, the Warren regulations, a very a very important standard uh, in the standards world. And I think it's something we should probably come back to and maybe do a separate episode on because mm. I think it's a, re- a really important thing to look at. Um, so thank you for, the, for your motivations. Um, obviously, last year, uh, 2020 was... Uh, a very difficult year for everybody, and uh, obviously COVID, uh, as a global pandemic, affected affected the world. So you were due to go to to Stockholm in October to take part in the program, um, but that didn't obviously take place. So, who wants to have a go at this? Was sort of what happened? What did the IC do for you in the place of being able to attend attend the program in Stockholm? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind having a go for, uh, at that one. Um, it, well, from if we, if we can go back a little bit, so from a from a work point of view, um, uh, it was pretty much business as usual uh, with regards to COVID nineteen, um, except everything was now virtual. Um, in fact, the volume of work was actually, in my opinion, uh, we actually completed a lot more work because we didn't have the travel time between meetings, be them standards meetings or meetings with regards to best practice guides and updating those, or industry uh, meetings as such. Uh, making things more efficient. Uh, with regards to the Young Professionals Programme, um, obviously it was a shame that the live meeting uh, for 2020 was effectively cancelled. Uh, the planned tr- uh, trip to Gene- Geneva would have been a great experience. Um, however, the IEC were, were were in a position where they've off- offered us an opportunity to attend in 2021, which is much appreciated, especially uh, with it being uh, potentially Dubai. Uh, that makes it even more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Sean? How was uh, what was what was twenty what had twenty twenty been like for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think like everyone with COVID, it's been uh, not the most straightforward of years. Uh, I think in the, in the context of the IEC and the Young Professionals Programme, you know, slightly disappointing that we weren't able to go to the the conference as planned. You know, going back to what I said earlier, you know, my one of my main motivations of this was being able to meet people and you know there's only so much you can do speaking to people over teams and things like that it's quite difficult to build up any sort of relationship uh, not in person so let's say that that to me probably has been the biggest problem uh, this year uh, in the context of uh, the young professionals program you know not being able to meet people but mm-hmm. you know we've we have been part of the the committees you know so we've while not being able to attend in person, you know, we are, I have been part of them and I am sort of slowly getting involved in the standards making process. So while it hasn't been anyone's ideal year, it's got me involved, which is what I wanted, you know, and I'm starting to get that further understanding of, of how things work. And, you know, same as Shahid, I'm very much looking forward to the 2021 program, which Touchwood will, will go ahead. Well, just on that um you're, you're absolutely right, uh, Sean, there, about committees that you're currently on. And I want to talk about that in a second. But we probably should explain that, obviously, the event was supposed to take place in Stockholm, um, and then a decision was made to to hold, hold it in Geneva. And obviously, with uh, with the conditions of the pandemic changing all the time, um, the idea was to run a virtual event, and obviously, that wasn't able to take place either. It was felt better to, to postpone until 2021. So before we come to this year's programme... Um, I just want to also explore your your standards making experience uh, to date. Now, something we do we've done at BSI over the last three or four years with the program 
is that rather than uh, young professionals attending the IC programme and then coming back and working on standards committees, we we um, we encourage our uh, young professionals to become standards makers before they attend the programme and get involved in standardisation be- before they attend the meeting uh, in the autumn. So maybe we we'll start with 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 you, uh, Shahid. What what committees have you become a member of, and what 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 areas are you working on as a young standards maker? Uh, so currently, I'm in a member of the L1 committee, which is the Electrotechnical Policy Committee um, at the BSI. Um, I'm also a member of uh, JPOL 64, which is, uh, as mentioned, uh, which uh, covers the wiring regulations. Um, I'm also a member of various other industry committees, so not not really at a national level, but but um, with regards to other organisations. Um, the other major thing that I do is I input on various codes of practices as well um, to represent the views of our members. Um, I'm currently involved with a publicly available spec document, a PAS document 3003, which is to do with the health and well-being performance of non-domestic buildings. So not electrical as such, but another area that, um, it, more building services, uh, another area that is, is potentially um, open to our members and various other codes of practices for organisations such as the IET, BISRIA and SIBSI. And how about you, Sean? What's your what's your standards making experience been like so far? Yeah, so I'm on a, I'm on a handful of different committees. So I'm on uh, CPL 34, which is for lamps. I mentioned about luminaires before and light lights. Uh, CPL 61, which is safety of household electrical appliances, and then CPL 61 slash 21, which is toys, which is probably the most important one for me. Now, I would say for me. Um, it's been informative and being part of multiple committees has meant there's quite a lot of documentation to absorb and I'm still trying to perfect the art of uh, which documents are important for me and which aren't because this what I would say is that all of these committees do generate quite a lot of documents. So for me on the toys one, which let's say for me was the most important is they're not, they haven't really been working on anything. I think I came in just as they had finished, you know, the, a new update to the standard. So I was kind of coming in at the back end of things and there wasn't really too much for me to get involved with. On the other ones, there is various work ongoing on them, but it doesn't directly apply to me. So overall, it's been more of a, a learning exercise as opposed to me being directly involved in anything. But I'm hopeful for you know 2021 that there will be more activities within those committees that I can get more directly involved in. And how about your your experience so far, Fiona? Which which committees will you become a member of? I have joined Committee 76, which is the Radiation Safety Committee. So that covers all of the standards I use frequently. And through joining that, I have been put in contact with one of the original writers of standard I use most often, 685 part one, which is really exciting. And he has very kindly been answering some of the questions I've had about interpretation of the standard and the correct way of performing some of the calculations. And I've also begun to be able to see why the maths is done in that way. It's been a really useful insight into the standard for me. Um, Apart from that, one of the highlights of this scheme has been being able to virtually attend the BSI conference in November, which was really, really useful in terms of understanding the changes which may or may not happen 
due to Brexit. It's reassuring to know that we're going to continue to be a member of the IEC. We're going to continue to use the same standards that we have previously. And that's been great information to be able to pass on to our clients who have had questions about this. It's been a cause of some concern amongst customers. I think it's really fantastic to hear. Actually, you're, you're in all three of you. The enthusiasm, the sort of gusto in which you, you've you've got involved, even though you haven't yet gone on the program. And I think, um, obviously, the the standards making world has gone online. The whole world's gone online. Um, so it's given you opportunities to 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 get involved. It is a shame that you haven't been able to meet people face to face. But um, as Tom Hanks said, as Tom Hanks says on a different podcast, this too shall pass. So at some point, we are going to meet. We will meet. <laughs> we'll, we'll meet finally. Um, but I just think it's really. I think it's fun, fantastic to hear the way in which you've engaged with the standards making opportunities that have been put in front of you. So thank you very much for doing that. I suppose looking forward to, to, to this year's program then, I've asked you about your, your motivations already and the, your answers here may, may not be that much different, but I suppose, you know, look, looking forward to Dubai in the autumn and fingers crossed it's able to take place as a face-to-face uh, activity. Maybe with, sorry, with, you, with you, Sean, what are you most looking forward to about, about this year's program? Well, I think just continuing the theme of my answers from earlier on, I would say the main thing that I'm looking forward to is actually just meeting people, you know, the people on this podcast right now, but, you know, those also part of the Young Professionals Programme from, you know, other countries uh, and, and standards bodies from, from around the world. So, you know, like I say that's kind of was my core reason for, for applying to be part of this. And that's, you know, like I say that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. How about you, Fiona? Uh, like Sean, I'm really looking forward to meeting some of the people who have been exchanging emails with for months and <laughs> having video calls with and yeah, attending the programme in Dubai will be really, really interesting. It almost feels, I mean, obviously in the, in the UK, we're having a you know huge vaccination programme and something that's taking place in October almost feels in reach, doesn't it? There's something, there's a, there's yeah. something to be positive mm. about there. How about you, Shahid, a similar, similar motivation? What are you looking forward to most there, sort of getting to, to meet people finally? Yeah, that, that, that's it, exactly. Uh, meet people. Um, undoubtedly, they're gonna, there's going to be people within that committee that are going to have different um, or alternative views to yourself, and you can learn from that experience. It's all about learning and growing. That's how I see this, uh, this journey. Now we're on the cusp of launching um, this year's uh, the, the applications for this year's program. In fact, people, uh, if you listen to the end of the, of the podcast, there'll be there'll be uh, information there about how you can apply um, for this year's program. Just a, a quick word from from each of you. What would you say to other young professional engineers thinking about applying for this program? What would you say to them, Fiona? Sorry, this is quite a difficult one. Um, can you come back to me? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I don't um, mind, Matthew. Sean, how, how about you? What would you say to others looking to apply? Yeah, I mean, if I, if, if I was asked, anyone was asking me what I thought of this, uh, I would I would absolutely encourage them to apply. Uh, I mean, hopefully they will have a better year in regards to COVID than what we have. Mm. So, yeah, I would like I say I, I absolutely encourage them. You know, I think if you've got an interest in this, then there's no better place to be than with the people who are making the standards. How about you, Shahid? Yeah, the only thing I'd add to that is, look, this this is the this is an ideal opportunity for any uh, like-minded engineer to engage with standard makers and be part of shaping our industry for the future. That's what it's all about. 
Um, and even though it has been a funny year for all of us, I wouldn't have it any other way. And okay, Fiona, final thought for you. Yeah, I, I agree with Shahid and Sean, obviously. I would encourage anybody to apply for this. I didn't want to give the impression that I wouldn't. And <laughs> yeah, that has succeeded so far in fulfilling my aims of understanding the standards better and getting to grips with them. So if any, if there is anybody out there who wants a better understanding of the standards, then absolutely, this would help them. So Nav, it's absolutely fantastic to have you back on the podcast. Now, back in episode one, cast your mind back, you and, and Kat Rosier, uh, we talked to you about standards and, and careers back in that very first episode. And we touched on the IEC Young Professionals Programme. But for those who haven't listened to it yet, that great episode, do please go back and listen to the fantastic episode. Maybe you could tell us a bit about, a bit about your job and, and the role that standards play within your job. Yeah, sure, Matthew. First of all, thank you again uh, for for having me back. Uh, it was a good it was a good uh, podcast, and uh, yeah, glad to be back here again. Uh, so about my job, so I'm a group leader uh, for machine control and protection system at uh, UK's government's uh, fusion experiment machine in Oxfordshire. Uh, it's known as Mast Upgrade, and uh, we are doing nuclear fusion experiments. And my role is to manage the team, lead the team, uh, which looks after the machine control system, machine uh, uh, protection systems, uh, and all the electronics control instrumentation associated with it. So that's that. Yeah, that's that's my role. And the role that standards plays within within that job? Yes. Yeah. Huge. I will say. Uh, most of uh, the documents that we follow are. Uh, recorded are, are made in-house so all of those documents the technical documentation is is based on the standards IEC and BSI standards that we actually have uh, already developed so uh, any any technical I would say even non-technical all the documentation that we have all the technical documentation management system the all the templates they are also based on the uh, uh, IEC standards Temp, uh, based on IEC standards. So yeah, uh, huge, huge. I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, every day, uh, every breath we actually do any work, uh, there is some sort of standard behind it. And uh, uh, it could be it could be from electrical installation. Uh, it could be from uh, purchasing any electrical, uh, electrical electronic equipment. Uh, we have got some standards behind that what, how, and what and how uh, are we supposed to, to create a new equipment that we have to use. Now, Navdeep, you took part in the IEC Young Professionals Programme way back in 2017 when the programme uh, took place in Vladivostok. Now, I'm going to ask you to cast your mind back now to sort of maybe early in 2017. And what were your motivations for wanting to apply to take part in the programme? Yeah, sure. Yeah, 2017. I mean, to be honest, it feels like it was only last year uh, when I went to Vladivostok. It was an amazing experience, first of all. It was a very good experience. It was three of us uh, from the UK. We went there. And uh, so what uh, uh, invited, what, in, what was my main reason was that uh, I was always uh, fascinated with standards. Uh, when I used to work in power station, I used to procure equipment and we used to uh, look into what standards do the equipment uh, uh, confirmed to. So I, I knew about standards, but I wanted to know what exactly happens uh, behind making of those standards. And that's why I used to attend some of the conferences and uh, some of the RBSA conference and other events. And uh, at one event, uh, one of the young professional leader from the UK, uh, so uh, Alan, he was actually 
talking about his experience and uh, listening to him that was the actual main motivation for me to to apply for next year's young professional so that sounds very interesting uh, you get to see many people you get to see uh, uh, like-minded from different countries uh, so i said that's that's a good opportunity for me to know and understand what goes behind making of those standards those technical standards so that's why i applied for the young professional program in 2017 so that's uh, obviously that's the bsi education podcast of very own alan sellers there encouraging yes. you to apply which is fantastic yeah. now you mentioned that we both mentioned that it was Vladivostok. Now, we obviously, everyone is, is living through, still living through the pandemic, the global pandemic that is COVID-19 and the huge changes that's made to everyone's lives. And obviously, one of the biggest changes is the sort of inability of people to travel in the way that they uh, that they wanted to. Now, would like to. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly suffering from quite a bit of wanderlust at the moment. Mm-hmm. And the desire to travel is, is, is pretty strong. Now, um, Vladivostok sounds like an incredible place to go and visit. So can you paint that picture for us? What, what was that experience like of going to somewhere so different to where you currently live and work? Yeah, I mean, amazing experience. Uh, so 12 hours of journey, first of all, it was like, okay, that's, that's new because I've been to different places and uh, the maximum I've been on plane, uh, it was eight and nine hours, but 12 hours straight on a plane. That was, that was good experience. Uh, Getting there, so we were in a university campus, uh, and uh, it was uh, 200 young professionals in total from uh, 70 different countries, and that was just the young professional. The young, young professional program is uh, uh, it, it goes in parallel with the actual standardization making process throughout those that week or two weeks. So there's a general meeting, there's a uh, standards management board meeting, there's a, a, a other other meetings happening in real time while we as a young professional witness those meetings and also get the opportunity to participate in those meetings as well. So uh, we had some breakout sessions where we, uh, all the young professionals, we, we had a, so you can say, task uh, given and then we brainstormed, talked about it. And it's amazing to see people from different countries and different uh, cultures working together and uh, coming up with brilliant ideas. And uh, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to present uh, the idea of my group to the IEC uh, executive board, so to the chair and uh, and rest of the young professionals uh, uh, or, or committee. So, and that's the experience you won't get anywhere else. And that's why uh, I would say young professional has given me the opportunity to do that. And also to uh, understand the process as well. So to, to know exactly what's happening, how the standards are made, and you can see each country's representative, how they actually uh, represent their own country in SMB or even uh, standard makings process. So that was that was very good experience, yeah. I mean, you talked there at the beginning about earlier on about your sort of motivation uh, to find out how things happen. It sounds to me then, having gone to Vladivostok and got involved in the program itself that was running parallel with the IC's general meeting, it sounded like it sort of exceeded your expectations? Yes, way beyond, way beyond. Uh, I was expecting more it to be like uh, 
uh, yeah, uh, we will go there. I think some part was, yeah, definitely a new place to visit uh, Russia. That's, that's never been there. So that was one thing. And the other thing was to actually network with the people. But uh, yes, I mean, the networking part, I will say that was uh, cherry on top, I will say, because I knew that they will be more young professional. But uh, having that strong uh, network built around, I'm in touch with the many of them even now. Actually, I was I was contacting someone uh, this early this morning that you can't get. Uh, without going in there. So, yes, I mean, uh, it was uh, way above my expectation, that whole program was. So maybe the program's the gift that keeps on giving at the moment, which is, fanta- which is fantastic to hear. Is. Now, now before you before you went on the program, I think I'm right in saying that you, you, weren't, you, you weren't a stands maker, you weren't no. participating committees. So I'm keen to, uh, to understand, you know, what happened afterwards, you know, how you became a standards maker. What committees were you working? What was the sorts of work that you were getting involved with as a result of going on the program? Yep, sure. Uh, so after after knowing what exactly happens in the standard making process, uh, I had a bit more idea and then I wanted to contribute to that as well because I had experience of working in power stations and utility systems. So I, I had a good uh, understanding of uh, uh, some instrumentation and that was my strength and then I said okay I want to I want to use that strength to, to standards making and the whole idea of young professional is actually to to grow their interest into standard making process. So I contacted uh, BSI uh, and also as I'm part of the Institute as a professional uh, institute body. So I contacted them and then I'm representing uh, the Institute in uh, TC65, which is, or GEL65, which is a measurement and control uh, standards for, which is mirroring uh, TC65 up for IEC. Uh, so uh, I'm part of one of the working group for uh, TC65, so where I represent UK in international uh, standards meeting, which uh, last, uh, last year we had two over Zoom, and then previously we had two, uh, both were in Europe. So uh, I'm part of that. Now, I've been uh, invited to join other committees as well. Uh, so I think what I'm trying to say here is that once you are in, uh, once you are aware of what happens, once you have gone into, then it opens doors to many other committees as well. So entirely up to a person, an individual, that how much time and how much interest they have, they can actually uh, give it to the standards uh, uh, standards making process and BSI. Just, that's an interesting point, actually. Uh, now, how much how much time do you think? Uh, I, I know that it will vary month month to month, but but how much of your professional time is now taking up with with being a standards maker? Uh, I mean, it's it's a uh, it depends on the committee, how much uh, work is happening in a committee. So committee I'm working on or the working group I'm working on. I do get uh, the documents from other working groups as well, which uh, I can I can review if it falls within my uh, understanding, my expertise. So I will say if I want to say, if I can spend uh, at least half an hour, kind of a week, uh, two hours a month, uh, that's, that's the minimum I will say uh, that. If I spend on it, that's that's good because as part of the institute, I'm also working with the institute on the similar standard. So uh, it, it helps uh, in that sense. But again, if you are working on different committees, uh, then the the time uh, requirement may be, may be different. And then I do have, uh, we do have uh, every year meeting in uh, with BSI and then, then I have meeting with the technical committee members uh, from IEC. That happens twice a week and then it was three days. Uh, 
each time. So six days in there and then uh, twice in uh, in London or on Zoom with BSI. So eight days there and then the rest is all the documentation uh, that I go through uh, and put my put forward my comments and then work on those. And how does your your employer uh, view your, your role as a standards maker? Is it something that's very sort of prominent or is it something that's just in the background? How, how does that work? How does, how does, how does the, your employer view your, your participation in standards making? I think you said it right. There, there are different uh, employers uh, and uh, based on what area you're in and what community you're working on. Uh, so my, my employer, they, they hugely support me working uh, for working with BSI and IEC to create those standards. So uh, they do give me uh, the the support whichever I need. So yes, so in terms of uh, uh, my timing and in terms of my uh, uh, expenses, so yes, uh, some companies supporting, and my I'm, I'm I'm lucky enough to have an employer which supports these things. Now we are looking forward to this year's uh, program and uh, fingers crossed uh, it would take place as a, as a face-to-face activity in, in Dubai uh, later in the year in October. I suppose as a final thought then, Nav, what would you say to someone, a, y- a young professional engineer uh, thinking about applying for this program? What would you, what would you say to them? Uh, yes. So this year, this year in Dubai, like I said before that uh, these, uh, this young professional program happens in parallel with the other standards making process. So uh, I will be there anyway as part of my standards meeting, uh, wherever it is, it's on Zoom or the way wherever it is. But yes, uh, I will definitely recommend anyone, uh, any young professional to apply for this position to experience. uh, So there's the experience of what happens in the standards making and also you experience the networking and working with other young professionals from around the globe, that opportunity, it's, it's very hard to get. And Matthew, uh, uh, you must have mentioned somewhere that uh, it, it's uh, it's all expenses paid by BSI. So definitely, I will say there's there's no brainer. Uh, apply for this this uh, young professional program, so you get to see uh, different. Uh, you get to see new place, and then you get to meet uh, new people as well, and also you get to experience how standards making happens in the background. And actually, you, you see that firsthand live, and uh, I think this is must uh, must have experience for any young professional. Alan, let's turn the tables on you again, then, as we as I promised earlier, and get an employer's perspective on the program. I suppose the question to you is why why is the IC Young Professionals program important for an employer like Dyson? Well, I guess it it starts really with my own personal experience. So having first-hand experience of the benefit to my own personal and professional development, I like to continue to support it by uh, encouraging people within the team that I lead to apply. And through that, should they be successful and should they join the programme, they, they have the experience of understanding where standards come from and gain a much wider professional network, which then supports them in, in the development of standards, but also in the understanding of standards. And both of those are quite key for the, for the roles that uh, we have in, in our team. Sometimes reading a standard can be a bit like reading a strange legal text and 
really you need to have the insight or having the insight into how it was developed, the processes that the IEC uses, but also the thinking that goes on within a technical committee. Both of those are invaluable for uh, applying standards and testing to standards. So that's really why we'd like to support it. I suppose if there's a message then to um, an employer that was looking at this for the first time fresh, what would the message be to, uh, from you, uh, from for your employer's perspective, to them to say, "Yep, this is uh, you know you should look at this for your for your young engineers." What would be the message to them? My my message would be, there isn't another development opportunity like this for for employees that you have the UK. The way it's run in the UK is there are partner trade associations, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Uh, and I think we have Raj from Beamer uh, speaking later in the podcast. Um, they support this program. So there is no expense in terms of travel, accommodation or anything like that that needs to be covered. Uh, all it is is the time that the person needs to, to attend. So there's really very little outlay and the return on investment that you get back with somebody that's more connected, somebody that's more knowledgeable, somebody that's developed through being in and around different people with different thinking styles, different thoughts, different perspectives. It's quite difficult to quantify, but having seen the effect that it has on people that have attended, it, it really is quite a good return, I'd say. Now, to complete the picture, then, we, let's hear from the perspective of both from, from BSI and also one of our partner organisations in the programme. We spoke to Geraldine Salt and Raj Vagdia. Now, Geraldine is a standards development manager here at BSI. And Raj, as you mentioned there, Alan, uh, he's technical director at the trade association BEMA. So, Geraldine, I introduced you there as a standards development manager at BSI. Can you tell us a bit about that role and what it involves? Yes, well, I manage BSI committees, mainly in the electrotechnical area. So, subjects range from electric kettles, sunbeds, washing machines, fridge freezers, um, up until um, electromagnetic compatibility, multimedia products, and then um, a little little bit of non-electrical stuff, uh, such as valves. So, quite a mixture. Um, uh, on a day-to-day basis, my job really involves making sure all the relevant documentation gets to the right experts so that the UK is able to have its voice heard internationally. Um, every draft standard or draft amendment to a standard from international and European committees um, needs to be considered by the corresponding BSI committee and commented or voted on before the deadlines which are set by international and European bodies. And it's my job to make sure that all the members of the BSI committees have opportunity to comment on drafts and also have opportunity to comment on other members' comments. And then with input from the chair of the committee, we have to get the committee to reach a consensus position. And consensus doesn't mean that all members have to agree with each other, but uh, the BSI definition of consensus is general agreement, but um, uh, characterised by the absence of sustained opposition. So getting to a general agreement can be quite tricky, um, 
discussion of these drafts then often needs to take place at a at a committee meeting rather than by correspondence, although some are some are dealt with by correspondence. Uh, but it's my job to organise committee meetings and to and to minute the discussions in the meetings. Um, obviously, at the moment, all meetings are taking place as web conferences, which is a bit of a challenge. Uh, it's much easier with face-to-face meetings, uh, but we've we've been getting there. Yes, we are in we are in very challenging times, aren't we? I'm sure you must tell your your friends that you are you are the standards. You're involved in, in standards for sunbeds. I like that. So <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic. So in terms of your in terms of your standard story, we love a we love a story on and a journey on uh, on on the podcast. What's your particular standard story? How how did you get to this point? You know, what were you seduced by standards? A lot of our <laughs> guests have been seduced by standards. Were you, were you seduced by standards? Um, I can't really say that I was seduced by standards. <laughs> Um, but my standard story actually began 31 years ago. Um, yes, I've been around the block a few times. Um, I've got a business studies background. And before I joined BSI, I worked for a small legal body and hadn't any knowledge of BSI at that time, other than something about a kite mark. And in those days, there was no internet. So before I came for my job interview, I actually went to a public library to find out about BSI. And then when I started at BSI, it was in a more administrative role. And then after a while, I took on some international and European committees. And that that was great because I had the pleasure of traveling all over the world for about 10 years and met lots of experts from the, on different committees all around the world. Um, so I enjoyed doing that. Um, and then for family reasons, I changed to working only with national committees with, with no travel, which is what I still do now. Now, this podcast episode is all about the sort of young professional voice in uh, in standards making. Now, I'm really keen to understand for your your particular area of work. You you talk there about generating consensus within co- committees of experts, but why why is the young profession, professional voice important for BSI and for standards making? I would say that young professionals provide a fresh approach to BSI's work. Um, they tend to look at standards. From a, or standards issues from a new angle. Of course, they're educated to a very high level and are gaining practical experience of using standards in industry. So having them on the committee while they're still relatively new in the industry role means that they've recently learned the latest methods of manufacturing and, and testing, and um, they're willing to question the way the standards are written in a way which, which some of the more long-standing members might not question. So I think they bring their new ideas to the table and get the committee to revisit some of the older methods being used in standards. That doesn't necessarily mean that that every time they suggest a change, then it's going to be taken on board the, by the committee, but it does generate a discussion about why the standard is written a certain way and um, ensures the committee doesn't get stuck in its ways with the way it does things. Now you've you've um, in some of your committees you've had previous uh, participants in the the IC Young Professionals Program. Can you give us some examples of sort of the influence and impact they've made to the standards committees you manage? Uh, yeah, well, they've definitely contributed new ideas to committee discussions, and certainly the ones on my committees aren't afraid to ask questions. Um, I've noticed that quite often in IEC TC61, which is the safety of electrical household products area, that there'll be a proposal from another national committee, which is perhaps not terribly well understood. Sometimes this could be like a language or translation issues. And the IEC young professionals tend to ask a lot of questions about these. And very good at making suggestions as to what the 
original intention of the proposal was or the or the potential consequence of the proposal might be. They seem to be very willing to discuss and put comments forward. So I guess they've brought a certain energy to the committee. Um, they're happy to join in, in on international working groups and to travel in the days that we could travel. Um, so, for example, they've got very involved in TC61 working groups. Um, also, because they've been part of this whole IEC Young Professional Programme, they tend to have a ready-made network of other IEC Young Professionals who are on other committees. So, because of that, they find it quite easy to consult widely outside of the committee. Um, they've got good contacts already set up. Um, and they've also got involved with some IEC strategic committees, um, like Alan, for example, is on one of the strategic groups of the IEC Standardization Management Board and a member of one of the council board task force. Um, so all in all, I'd say you know their, their novel approach and enthusiasm um, and their ability to network well has definitely made them an asset to the committees which I look after. So Raj, I um, I introduced you there uh, as technical director at the trade association BEMA. Now we'll come to BEMA in a second, but could you tell us a bit more about your job and what it involves? Sure, Matthew. Um, as as technical director, I am responsible for technical policy covering product regulations, standardisation policy, and conformity assessment policy. In the role, I represent BEMA on several industry groups, both at national and European level. I also represent BIMA on a number of strategic standardization committees, as well as standards making committees within BSI, which is the UK's national standards body, CENELEC, the European Electrotechnical Standards Organization of Europe, and IEC, the International Electrotechnical Standards Organization. I am also currently uh, the UK member of the IEC's Conformity Assessment Board and this is the board that is responsible for setting up policy for the conformity assessment schemes that IEC runs. Now, in previous podcasts, uh, podcast episodes, Raj, we've talked about the importance of stakeholder engagement and stakeholder participation in standards making. And trade associations obviously play an incredibly important role for BSI and for, for the standards making world. Now, BEMA is a trade association. Many people might not know what, what BEMA does. They are, I know that BEMA representatives sit on a huge range of standards, uh, a bit, a, a standards committees for BSI. But can you tell us about BEMA, what it is and what it what it does? Sure. Uh, BIMA, as, as a UK trade association, we represent manufacturers and providers of energy and infrastructure technologies and systems. Um, we have uh, member companies in, 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 in all different sectors of the industry. There's a, around 200 members in our organization uh, from startups, SMEs to large multinationals. So it does bring a wi- wider representation into, B, into, into BEMA's activities. Our members' products ensure low carbon energy and environmental services are delivered safely, securely, and efficiently to UK homes, businesses, transport, and grid networks. We support our members in ensuring that UK has a strong electrotechnical industry that is recognized as an essential part of modern society, bringing invaluable economic, social, and environmental benefits. Um, BEMA's activities are divided in four main sectors. We have the heating and ventilation sector, 
the building electrical systems sector, the flexible energy system sector, and the network sector. Now, we're always interested, um, Raj, to hear uh, our guests' standard stories or their journeys to, to this point. We've interviewed lots of different people and everybody has come at, a, come at standards from a, a, different, a different perspective. They may not have been involved in standards making all that long or they may have come from a completely, a completely different sector or industry. I'm really keen to, to understand your, your standard story and your standards journey. How, how did you get to this point in working with standards? Were you seduced by standards? <laughs> um, not sure whether suggest is the right word to use, but um, my journey began um, as a test engineer in a in a laboratory in a manufacturing company. Um, that's where I started my career as as a professional, and it was in this role that I was first introduced to British standards. As a test engineer, I had to read, understand, and apply the test requirements con- contained within the standards to the products that I was testing. And it was in this role that I got to learn about quality system standards and product standards. As it happens, the company I was working for at that time happened to be a member of BEMA. And it was through BEMA that I got involved in standards making within BSI and eventually in Senelec and IEC. Um, The the role developed further on. I became a lab manager. And in in that role, I, I was more heavily involved in quality system standards. Uh, and then I then moved on to another position, which was uh, a, a certification body, third-party certification body, where again heavily, heavily working with standards, applying standards to product testing and certification. And eventually, I ended up at BEMA, where I'm now performing the role I am, which again is heavily influenced by standards and 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 uh, the value that standards brings to the industry. I suppose uh, as a as an engineer. Um, standards has played uh, a hugely important important role in your in your professional practice since the very beginning. Indeed, it has. Uh, I started as a I, my tra- my education was in electrical and electronic engineering, and within that um, studying, there was a little bit of standards involvement, not a lot, one or two standards mentioned here and there. But it was really through the working life that I've come to know and understand standards and standards making as a whole. Now you you wouldn't accept then you may have been may or not been seduced by standard but you're certainly steeped in standards now Raj so why why do you think you know why is the young professional voice so important for standards making I think young professionals uh, can bring a fresh perspective and a different way of thinking to standards making um, young professionals have grown up around technology and as such have a natural affinity for technology and applying technological solutions to challenges yeah, and also young professionals tend to be adaptable and agile. And these are qualities that will greatly benefit standards making, especially to meet challenges presented by issues such as climate change, achieving carbon neutrality, the drives towards um, electrification and advancement in areas such as artificial intelligence. This areas, this changing environment, changing uh, landscape will present new challenges in terms of safety, quality, and I think young professionals are ideally placed to bring um, new thinking into resolving these challenges. Now, Beamer has been a, a fantastic supporter and partner for BSI and, and others for, for the IEC Young Professionals Programme. So you've mentioned some really positive 
general observations there about why young, the young professional voice is important for standards making. But why why does Beamer why has Beamer supported the IC program? Why, why is it going to continue to support the program? Yeah, as Matt, as you mentioned, Matthew, um, Beamer is one of the leading nominating organisations to BSI, uh, and we have members serving on several standards committees at national, European, and international level. But we recognise the challenge presented by the lack of young professionals becoming standard makers. It ha- it has become increase- increasingly difficult to have members volunteer their time to standards making. It's it's becoming a challenge to bring new blood into the, in the into the system to um, persuade the managers, the directors to allow their employees time to participate in standards making. And if the UK electrotechnical industry is to maintain its influence in standards setting and standards making, I believe it is crucial that a new generation of young professionals become standards maker. Um, and the IEC's Young Professional Programs is one way we see this being achieved. Um, as evident over the past few years, the program has produced enthusiast- enthusiastic young professionals who have gone on to take on leadership roles in standards making. Alan is a very good example here. Well, Alan, that was good. It was uh, fantastic to hear the perspectives of the young professionals who benefited from the program. After the, from the group of 2020 who are benefiting, uh, maybe not the way they anticipated, um, anticipated, but they will hopefully get a second bite at the cherry in, in 2021, which is fantastic. Um, also great to hear from colleagues here at BSI and from Beamer about why they value the programme. And obviously great to hear your obviously your employer perspective, perspective too. Um, and finally, also uh, fantastic to hear from the IC about the impact the programme has had and the plans for the future. It really has been quite a packed podcast. It certainly has. Now, applications are now open for the 2021 programme due to take place in October in Dubai. You can find out more at bsigroup.com forward slash education. All the details are on the website and also there are details in the episode notes and a good luck uh, with your application. So I suppose all left me to say thank you very much to Aristia to Navteep, to Fiona and Sean, to Shahid, Geraldine and Raj for fantastic contributions. And uh, of course, Alan, thank you too. Yeah, and thank you, Matthew. You have been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. To find out more, visit bsigroup.com forward slash education. just heard a stripped media production.